Shabbat Shalom. So we're in uh, a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and bring me down a little bit. Uh, we're in, I think, yeah, this is uh, series number six, or episode six. The gifts of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation. The awkward twins. Kind of get down to that whole area where all the controversy breaks out tongues and the interpretation thereof. So we're going to look at that today. I think it's going to be an exciting look into uh, this particular set of gifts. They kind of go together, you know, they're designed to flow together within the corporate community. And then outside of that, of course, uh, tongues alone is, is actually the gift. So we're going to look at that in a few moments. Suffice it to say, God has given to us gifts. The gifts are for the body. God's about building up his people. So he gives gifts so that we can give those away to one another, and as a community, be strengthened. I want you to think of community. This is about his people. We are so individualistic in our culture. We have this rugged individualism. We tend to think about us when it comes to the biblical text, as if the biblical text is, is, is a, a gift to you or to me. No, it's a gift to the people. It's given to a corporate group. Almost all of the commands that are found in terms of our commands, how we live our lives, are commands that can only be done with one another. It's about the community. So today we want to talk about the gifts and how they work within the community. This one is going to uh, delve into uh, the last two that we're talking about in this series, tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to skip my passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11. We've read that several weeks in a row. And I think we're all acclimated to this. Um, so I'm going to jump right down into the gift itself, tongues and interpretation. Let's begin with definitions. Tongues. What does that mean, right? What does this word mean? It's the Greek word, I think it is glossa, and uh, in the plural, it's glossolalia, all right? And what it means is this. It actually means the tongue, you know, the organ itself, the organ that we use for speech. So it's the tongue as an organ of speech, and then in addition to that, it can also be in reference to language or dialect itself, the organ or what the organ produces, the language or the dialect itself. So there's many known languages, there's many known tongues, if you will, and there's also angelic languages. So not only are there earthly languages, but in the heavenly realm, the angels have language and dialect as well. That's what the verse implies as we get into it. And so uh, we have all those possibilities here when we talk about the gift of tongues or the gift of language. Now, it can also relate to the speaker's own tongue shaped in a peculiar manner by the Spirit's influence, thus becoming an entirely new spiritual language. So a person speaking in, 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 in a tongue is a person who would be speaking in a earthly language of all the languages of the earth, but not in his own understanding something that he doesn't even know what he's saying, but it's a language. It'd be like me in Mexico speaking to some, some um, people in that, 
in that area and speaking Spanish and not know what I'm saying. And they're all rejoicing because they're hearing the gospel, right? That would be an example of me speaking in tongues. Or it could be I'm speaking in an angelic language that neither I understand nor the hearer. Or I could just be forming words by the influence of the Spirit in me that don't make sense to me or anybody else, including the angels. Those are the possibilities with this Greek word, tongue, in this passage. Now, there's another one, too. I just want to... Well, in addition to that third definition that I've given, or that third explanation, let me just expand it a little bit. This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. It says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when you're interceding and you're at the end of yourself and you're facing a huge crisis or whatever, right? And you can't even, you can't even articulate what's going on and what you're facing. And you're just kind of groaning and, 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 you know, in your intercession, that's the spirit of God in you making noise, sounds, reverberations, if you will. And it's a language that rises up to God, an intercession that goes into the throne room by the Holy Spirit in you. That also is probably included in what Paul's talking about when he talks about the gift of tongues. Now, since it's a language that's unknown to the speaker and even to the audience, except in rare instances, you're going to need interpretation. That's another gift. Let's look at the definition for interpretation. It means simply to explain, to interpret, to translate. This, this is the supernatural ability to interpret that which you don't understand with your own mind. That is the gift of interpretation. The supernatural ability to interpret and translate a language that you do not know or understand. Let me give you an extraordinary example of this found in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. We're all familiar with it. Let me read it. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They spoke with other tongues. Other than what? Other than their own native language. They were speaking in other languages. Languages they didn't know. They didn't understand. In their own hearing, it sounded like Babel. Didn't make any sense to them. And yet they were ecstatic. They were... They were, there was such a superlative joy with the infilling of the Spirit, the peace and the joy of the Lord, that there was just this rising within them of, of what became noise articulated in words that they couldn't even understand. They were speaking in tongues. 
verses 5 and 6. And now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So they're there, the 120 of them. Spirit of God falls. They're filled with so much joy that they just are, they're just like expressing in, in words they can't even understand themselves this joy, this praise of God. And the crowd gathers around because they heard the noise. And now they're eavesdropping and they're listening. And guess what? They're all understanding. Each in their own dialects. They come from, from I think, 16, 17 different parts of the Roman Empire with different dialects. And, and the miracle here is, is evident in the fact that this guy's standing next to his friend. They both speak two different dialects, and they're both saying, hey, I hear him saying this in my own dialect. And the other one's saying, I'm hearing the same thing being said, word for word, but it's in my dialect. That's impossible for people to speak multiple dialects simultaneously. You just can't do that. What's happening? They're speaking the praises of God and the gift of interpretation is given to the people. The people are receiving the ability to hear, to translate, to understand in their own dialects simultaneously. The gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation in a corporate setting. That is an extraordinary uh, uh, passage, miracle that uh, had taken place and really helps us to understand later what Paul then dives into and begins to build, build upon. Verses 7 and 8. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why not, are not all these who were speaking Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language? They were bewildered. They were astonished. How is this possible? It's a miracle. This is the gift of interpretation. Every gift of God is supernatural. It's miraculous. It's of the Spirit. And they saw that. They discerned it. How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? We hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement, great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Ever been full of sweet wine? Well, usually what happens? Start to slur your speech a little bit, you know? People around you are saying, wait, could you slow down? Could you say that again? Because like you're, you, I can't understand what you're saying, right? And then when you walk, you kind of have a swagger, you know? As you move, right? And usually, usually you're pretty funny, pretty open, almost obnoxious. And what do people say? You've had too much to drink. You've had too much to drink. Yeah. Do you realize that this phenomenon of tongues tends to be within the setting of great joy? This exuberance and, uh, you know, when, you are, when you're encountering God in a fresh new way and it's overwhelming, a lot of times you'll express that or that expression comes through the gift of tongues. And they saw that. 
And they said, wow, looks like they've been drinking. They're pretty happy, pretty beside themselves. They're all like crazy and talking, but in some ways we're understanding and we shouldn't be. Some, something's happening here. Yeah. Some recognized this is the hand of God. Others said, no, they've been drinking too much. I want to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is the passage we've been in for quite a while. And I want to uh, work our way down. Uh, I want to start, though, with 1 Corinthians 14. And I forget what verse this is, um, but let me just read it. Paul says, pursue love. It's probably the opening verse, verse 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. So Paul's saying, hey, desire the gifts. Pursue the gifts. Study the gifts. Find out how they operate. Ask God for gifts. Take the gifts you have and unpack them and practice them. But prior to that, he said, pursue love. Why? Because without love, your gift is meaningless. If you don't have love for people, a genuine uh, concern for their well-being. They don't care about your gift. Who cares about your gift? If you're pumped up and arrogant or unkind or short-tempered, it doesn't matter what your gift is. Go away, right? You're like a bang, bang, a clanging cymbal, you know? Who wants that noise? No, we have to cultivate love, a genuine regard for our fellow neighbor, a, a genuine regard for each other in this place, that you look to each other as being more important than yourselves. You look, you look to give yourself away. When you come here on Shabbat, you're, you're looking for ways that you can bless others, not, not, not to see what you can get. That's not love. Love seeks to bless others. Love's concerned about their well-being. And if we get that right, then the gifts will be fruitful in us and in our body. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Doesn't speak to men. The gift of tongues is not for men. It's not for each other. The gift of tongues is for the person who is speaking. And he's not speaking to himself. He's speaking to God. For no one understands. When the person who is speaking in tongues is speaking in tongues, he or she doesn't know what they're saying. And neither do you or I. No one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Verse 3, But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. That's why Paul says, hey, pursue prophesying. Ask God that you would prophesy. Because that's for the body. That's going to build up the body. The reason we're meeting as a body is to build each other up. Tongues doesn't do that. So don't, don't speak in tongues in the body. It's not a public gift. It's not a corporate gift. It's for you, and it's between you and God. In fact, it's between your spirit and God because you in the natural, your mind, has no benefit. In your spirit, you're speaking mysteries to God. It's not for the corporate setting. 
they had made it the biggest of the gifts. The, the way that Paul is writing is he's attacking the idea that the tongue somehow is the big gift and everyone should have it. Paul's saying, really? Because it's not doing anything for the body. It, it's, it's not the great... In fact, the gifts that serve one another are the greater gifts when it comes to the corporate assembling. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy, for greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. Greater is the one that prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. Since you're trying to create this, you know, pecking order of the gifts, and you're getting it wrong on top of it, but you're thinking that's a, a great gift, let me remind you, it's the least of the gifts. It doesn't build anyone up but the person. And the body's about building up each other. So the greater gift is actually prophesying. prophesying. That's the greater gift. And that's what you should be pursuing. Don't neglect speaking in tongues. It's a gift, but it has a different setting. Pray in the corporate assembly that you would prophesy. Now, greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets. Oh, there's a caveat. Unless he interprets. The person who speaks in tongues, if he interprets also, then that becomes a corporate gift and it will build up the assembly like prophesying. Now the gift of tongues is legitimate and appreciated as long as there's an interpretation along with it. That's why the one who speaks in tongues should also pray that he interprets. Why? So that the church may receive edification or edifying. Does that make sense? But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? By the way, that's how I play instruments. I, I don't make music, I make noise. Okay. For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for the battle? So also you, unless you utter by tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. Verse 12. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. This is about building up the church. If your gift is designed to build up the gift, it'll be appreciated. If it's not, it will not be appreciated. It doesn't have a place for that. Verse 13 through 19. Therefore, let the one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Twice now, Paul states this. There's an emphasis here. Paul's saying, if you're going to speak in the corporate group, 
pray that you interpret. Pray that you get the, the, the interpretation of that. Why? Because if you don't, you sound like a bar- barbarian. No, one, no, no, one, no one's blessed, just you. And this isn't about me. This is about the community, right? So if I speak in tongues and I don't pray to interpret and I don't have anything to give you to explain to you what was just said, it's meaningless for the community. Actually, it's a distraction at that point. At best, it's a distraction. At worst, it'll create division. So we have to understand the place of tongues within the scope of the gifts. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. I'm going to give you um, a, a story here. This is one of my first experiences as a believer. Uh, very, very young uh, in, my, in my walk. But I had my friend, he was a Pentecostal, wild, crazy Pentecostal man. And he took me to his church. Or, no, actually, this is, this is, let me tell you a different story. Um, so I was at his house because he had a small group. And uh, so I'm at his house and we're all just chit-chatting. It's low-key, it's informal, you know, and we're talking. And I was talking to this gal and she was all messed up. I could tell she was in a big funk and, and I was trying to talk to her and she was just really, she, she was just really in despair. I, I, I could tell she was just, you know, really, really depressed. And uh, she wouldn't talk to me about what was going on other than to say that she had sinned in such a way that um, she just felt like it, it, she had gone too far and that the Lord no longer was with her. The Lord had abandoned her. Uh, she felt such a level of guilt and shame that she just said, hey, look, I've alienated myself from God and uh, I've gone too far and uh, I just have, I have no hope. And I tried to talk to her about, you know, you know, asking God and, and inviting him, him in and so forth. And she was just without hope. She was just, you know, in a really bad place. <clears throat> so I, t- I said, can, can we pray for you? Because I knew the group. I didn't really know what I was doing. But I knew, I knew this, this uh, guy, my friend, and the group that was there, they knew how to pray, right? I said, just let them pray. Just let them pray. Just let them pray. What, you know, what are you going to lose? Letting them pray. So she agreed. So uh, we got in a group and we're standing around and and my friend's wife opens up with hominy Nabisco, hominy Nabisco. Not, not those exact words, but words that didn't mean anything. You know, she's just like rattling off in tongues. And I'm thinking, what is going on? You know, I, t- I talked this gal into this deal and, and now what is, the, what is she saying? And I knew right away that is that Pentecostal tongue-speaking stuff. I, I didn't speak in tongues at that time. I'm just thinking, oh man, this is not good. This is not good, right? And, it's, and she's going. She is going like a dove out of heaven, let me tell you. And all of a sudden, she kind of just stops and she pauses and it's quiet. And I'm thinking, man, this is not good. She steps out in front of this woman. She takes her hands and she holds them, and she looks into her eyes, and she says, thus saith the Lord. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. This other woman didn't know what was going on. She, she wasn't there for the conversation. She, she had no idea. 
But after speaking in tongues and getting the interpretation, she steps in front of her, grabs her hands and says, thus saith the Lord. You think I'm far away. I have not abandoned you. I have not left you. I'm not far away. I'm right here with you. I love you. I have forgiven you. And you are mine. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Return to me, my daughter. Return to me. I mean, I was so overwhelmed with that. And so was the person. I just thought, I thought, amazing, amazing. That's like miraculous. How did this woman know? Yeah, God gave her that. See, this, this thing she uttered was God communicating to her, and then God gave the woman who was speaking in tongues the interpretation so that there could be benefit, and the benefit was remarkable. So when gifts, the gift of tongues is coupled with the gift of interpretation, it functions like the gift of prophecy. It's very powerful, very powerful. So if you speak in tongues here in our community, you're welcome to do that, and then pray you get the interpretation. Or pray someone else does. Because if you ain't got it and no one else gets it, well, I think you get three strikes and you're out. Not, not out of the community, but we'll sit you down and say, hey, why don't you slow that thing up? Because until you start getting the interpretation too, you just can't do that here because you're freaking people out. Without the interpretation, it can really freak people out. I'll tell you another story. The one I was going to tell you. I went to his church. I was young, I, you know, a new believer. And, uh, you know, I grew up Catholic. You express worship by staying still. The, the, the more that you can stand at attention, you kneel when they say kneel, you stand, just, you know, it's all, it's like the military and you don't show emotion. Not, not back in the day when I was growing up, right? That's worship. I went to his church. Oh my, I thought, what, what is going on? You know, someone called the police. These people need to be arrested. They're out of control, right? So I'm in this, this, this little church. They had one aisle in the front and so you had pews on both sides. I'm, I'm like against the wall. There's my buddy next to me and then his wife and then several other, or not his wife because we weren't even married then. So it was just him and some friends or whatever. And I'm there, I'm there. It was my first time I ever heard tongues. I never even heard tongues. This is my first experience. I'm standing there. The worship kind of settled down, kind of quiet. And all of a sudden my friend stands up how many Nabisco, how many, you know, he's just going, just rattling off something, I don't know what it was, Cheerios and Wheaties, I, you know, it's like, what, what, I don't even know what he's doing, and I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him, and I am frightened, I'm thinking, because he's a big guy anyway, I'm thinking, I'm thinking he is going off like a Roman candle, I don't even know what this is, in fact, I thought it could be a demon, and I'm thinking to myself, how do I get out, he's in my way, and the cues are really tight, I think, I thought, I just got to get out of this church, you know? And there's no way out by design. I think they built their churches like that by design. So that was really messed me up. It set me back. I never went back there. It, it, you know, it took years to really understand what was going on. But, but that's why you don't do that unless there's an interpreter to bring some sense and meaning to that. So that was my other story. Verse 19. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to start in verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue and my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing 
with the Spirit, and I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks? Since he does not know what you are saying, for you were giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, verse 19, in the church I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Our goal should be to build one another up. Tongues does not build up anyone around you, just you. So do it at home. Unless you're going to interpret Unless you're going to interpret, or unless someone else is going to interpret. Sometimes it's someone else that will interpret. But if you're not going to do that, and you're just feeling like you want to express and just open up the, you know, floorboards and let it roar, you know, why don't you just save that? Unless you're going to interpret. Verses 26 through 28. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, the building up of the body. If anyone, verses 27 and 28, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or three at the most, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. 39 and 40. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. We do not forbid tongues. Tongues are welcome here. If you have the gift of tongues and you feel like expressing it, just make sure you're going to give the interpretation too. And just know if you give the interpretation and it's not, but you're just trying to keep from getting talk to or whatever, that doesn't work either because we judge prophetic words, right? So when you give the interpretation, we're probably going to say, yeah, that was a good, the, praise God, man, that's just God. You know, We might say, hey, we think you're off in left field. We don't think that's God. We think that was the flesh. We love you. You're forgiven. Strike one. And strike three is just, we give you some more training so you can actually do that better. It's not, it's not like you're kicked out of the church or anything. Absolutely not. What we really want to do is create a context for all of us being built up together through the gifts that God has given to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16-22 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then verses 19 and 21. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Do not despise the gift of tongues when it comes with the interpretation. It's basically the equivalent of prophesying. Don't forbid it. Don't quench it. Allow it. And then judge it. Examine everything carefully. Test everything carefully. And then hold fast to that which is good. Implying that because these words come through clay vessels, sometimes some of our own stuff gets mixed into that word. That's what we look at the word and we say, yeah, this part's really good. We think it's from God. This part, well, it's from your 
bacon cheeseburger the night before, which you weren't supposed to be eating anyway. But regardless, it's of the flesh, and we're not going to receive it. And that way we can have a healthy community that gets to practice the gifts and gets to grow together in what God has given to us. Okay, I'm going to share one more story. I did, I did eventually get tongues. It took about 15 years. I got set back. I probably would have got a lot earlier. But I got it at a Mario Morello uh, uh, conference, and he just invited people to come up. We uh, prayed, pressed into the Lord, because really all the gifts come as a result of you pressing in for a period of time, being, being real with God and authentic with God and pressing in. And then he gives. He gives to those that are passionate, that are seeking. It won't come to those that are dispassionate, that are not seeking. So I really pressed in for many, many months, me and both my wife and myself, and I ended up getting tongues. Uh, he didn't direct any of that, by the way. You don't. That spirit decides who gets what, you know? I've been in groups where they try to get everyone to speak in tongues. You know, you get up there, you get in line, you go up there, and they say, okay, okay, just say after me, beep, 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 you know, C, 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 D, 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 you know, I'm thinking of the alphabet, you know? And somehow they think, you know, like pulling the lawnmower, you know, you're going to get it, and then you're off and running, you know? You're not the Holy Spirit. You can't direct who gets what. Leave people alone. The Holy Spirit's going to give each of us whatever He wants to give us and even change it up from time to time. So we'll just let God be God. But I finally ended up getting tongues. I love tongues. I, I speak in tongues in my personal devotional life. I, I don't do it in the community because I'm afraid that I won't get the interpretation. Then I get strike one. <laughs> but anyway, we'll break through those barriers. Uh, but uh, I got to tell you this other story. Um, so I'm at this very famous church in Denver. Everyone knows the church. It's like all of Denver knows this church. It's been a, a great church in the Denver area for uh, many, many decades. So I'm there, and they're one of those churches where they think the only evidence of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. So their job is to get everyone to speak in tongues. Somehow I ended up there. That set me back for years too. But I ended up there, me, my brother, and a friend of mine, we ended up there, and, and uh, they pulled us in the office because we went up for prayer. We didn't get nothing. So then they take us in the office to really kind of help us even further. And I realized we're not getting out of here. And, and the pastor's got us doing the BBB, the DDD. And, you know, he's, he's trying to help us. And, and we're all scared because we're young and we don't know what's going on. And, and I'm thinking to myself, we are not getting out of here. It's like him and the door. And we're like back by the wall. So I realized... He went, out, he went out to get some water or something. He'd been, had us in there for about 15, 20 minutes. So he left, and I said, I said you know, I, you know I, I, I'm going to fake it. You know, I, we got to get out of here. I said, we got to do something, you know. My friend says, I, I'm going to do it too. And I said, my brother says, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do this. So he came back in, so he had us going. You know, all of a sudden, we're all like, how many Nabisco? We're just kind of like started saying stuff that we didn't even know we were saying, you know. He's like, you got it, you got it, yeah, you got it. My friend even threw in some Spanish. I said, don't, I thought he's going to mess it up, man. He's like, I thought, don't do that. Make it a sound no one knows, you know. But he, he was convinced we all had it, and we got to go home that day. Close call, man. Took me years later, finally, to get there. I want to encourage you with this. I tell you that story to encourage you with this. Don't be intimidated by the gifts. Yeah, they're a little bit awkward because they're supernatural. Open yourself up. Say to the Holy Spirit, give me gifts. Give me gifts. You know gifts I need. But help me to understand what you're giving me. Show me how to unpack it. 
when you come here, practice with one another. Give words of encouragement. Give words of consolation. Give words that will lift people up. You might, you might see someone and you get a word for them. Don't dismiss that and say, ah, oh, that's just me. No, go and say, hey, I have a word for you. The Lord just wants, wants to say to you that he really loves you. Maybe it's the word you know, that he loves you. Or that the Lord wants me to tell you he has not forsaken you. You have no idea what's going on in that person's life. That could be a game changer for that person, right? So come here, practice the gifts, give yourself away, build up the body. And if you're already speaking in tongues and you want to exercise your gift here, learn to interpret. Pray for the interpretation. And uh, we would certainly appreciate that as well. All right. Shabbat shalom. That's it.